a little place, a little place called Aspen. This is the gondola cast with Andrew Wicks. Doors are closed. Gondola cast number three. Wiley Maple? How's it going? What the hell's going on? Not a whole lot. Just uh, shredding around with you guys on a sunny Monday. Monday's the best day to ride, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, all pretty good. <laughs> Weekdays are uh, pretty nice though. We're just a little more empty, obviously. Also here with committee members Jack Boyd and the sailor Catherine Bell. Thanks for the shred today, guys. Thanks for picking me up and parking illegally. Uh -huh. Well done. That was legal. We'll see you at the end. <laughs> it's two hour. <laughs> Why have you gotten any laps in? One. One? Yeah. What are we at? January 20th? Cracking Nooner? Cracking Nooner, yeah. What'd you get into this morning? I slept mostly because I've been shaking and cold and uh, just firing off a couple of emails and work life for a <laughs> ski racer guy. Catching a couple of the Aspen plagues, huh? Yeah, two in a row. Two in a row. <laughs> Someone say that's your body saying I need to rest. Yeah, that's probably true. Coming back, like straight back from Europe into around New Year's and uh, right off a beat down on the World Cup. So skiing World Cups this year, how many did you do? I did half of them, so four. Four? Four World Cups already, and it's only January 20th. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And how'd that pan out for you? Pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty bad. I, you can't say pretty bad if you're in the World Cup, right? You can if you think that you're competitive. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my back actually went out this summer. Uh, herniated L5S1 disc again. Uh, so I just got like gnarly sciatic nerve pain, and uh, I've already had three microdiscectomy surgeries on that same level. Your hand also Your looks hands, like a pirate. Yeah. What's going on with yeah, the left hand? I've broken my hands a lot of times. Last year I broke my hand, uh, I don't know, like... Do you have plates in here? No, they're out now. I got them out in March or something last year, but I ran into a guy who was just posted up underneath uh, that international, like, jump line uh, on powder day, like, right after Birds of Prey, right before I flew to Europe. Oh, it wasn't even a competitive thing. No, it was like... It was like a Monday, right after I did like Beaver Creek. Damn Mondays. Week. And uh, yeah, I came over the the roller and there's a guy sitting there. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to murder this person right now. Ended up doing a spread eagle to save his life. Spread eagle over threw him. him. Over him. So like if I would have kept my skis together, they would have gone like Decapitated. through his back. Yeah. So I did a spread eagle and then hit him with oh my, my God. Oh my God. Whoa. And uh... As soon as I hit him, I like flipped over him. So your spotter really failed you on that one, huh? Yeah. That's the engine move, though. Not a lot of spotting going on on that little hit in International on the way to the dumps. It's no. just like a quick little dip. Yep. So what happened to the gentleman? He uh, got the wind knocked out of him, and he seemed fine, though. I like made sure to get him out of there. I was like, we have to get out of landing. Yeah. Both of us now are in a terrible spot. Yeah. So I got him out of there. And he skied down. He's like, yeah, I think I'm okay. I was like, sweet. I mean, you're a big guy. Yeah, for sure. How much do you weigh? 220. 
Yeah, you don't want you coming full speed <laughs> yeah. off, a, off a knuckle. Well, it sounds like your technique might have saved the man's life. Yeah, or worse injury for sure. Definitely resulted in a broken hand that wouldn't have happened otherwise. But uh, save, save a life for a broken hand. Yeah, fair enough. But I ended up getting a surgery like a day later and then flying the day after surgery. So, uh, you're up for the next World Cup. So I'm going to guess you're 30 years old. 29. 29, turning 30? Turning 30 in May. And remained competitive um, throughout your ski career, battling injuries as anyone does? Yeah. yeah it was definitely a pretty wild career. Uh, just like an endless beatdown. I don't think I won. That was like my best chance to go like a full like year and a half stretch without a surgery. Yeah. And uh, the hand oh blew. <laughs> But, I mean, kind of the craziest thing about most of my injuries, I've, I've broken my hands a bunch. So I, like, racked up a bunch of surgeries, just get impacts on gates when you're racing downhill at yeah. whatever, 80 miles an hour, they're just toast and yeah, sure. split second. But I've had, you know, those three back surgeries already, I've said, and I had four patella surgeries on my knee, and those kind of stemmed from nothing, like no crash. That yeah, actually resulted from, in the first one. From use. Yeah, use obviously ski racing is a very impact, big in impact sport. So yeah. that probably didn't help my body, but I think it was like a little bit of genetic uh, letdown. So how are you feeling overall? Twenty nine uh, coming off of four World Cups, in the middle of the winter. Um. Yeah. I mean, just racing with that like kind of back problem is like super hard at that level, and. Uh, you know, I was pushing it the first three World Cups, which were, like, my opinion, like, the, the easiest of the year. And uh, I was still having, like, some top three splits, and I was, like, pretty psyched with that. But, like, I just couldn't tuck low enough. And then just that little bit of hesitation in a World Cup course just adds up every turn. And then uh, I hit Bormio, which is usually one of my favorites. Kind of this classic stretch is, like, Bormio through uh, Garmisch. Mm -hmm. Um so Vangen just happened, Kitzbühel's in this week, and those are like kind of the really gnarly, icy, steep tracks and, that I'm usually good at and doing Bormio with my back, and I, was, I got down like two days in a row, just like barely hanging on for my life. <laughs> I was like, wow, I literally can't do this. And uh, yeah, I kind of pulled the plug on racing the, the second day in Bormio after I raced the first day just because, I mean, every year, like, five to seven guys end their season at Bormio, specifically. It's an intense course. Yeah, and or their careers. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I already probably have to get a surgery in the spring to fix my back, and uh, I don't want to add, like, a knee and uh, whatever else on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to get 50th place with where my body's at right now. You so. mentioned where you, after all this, potentially were recording the podcast before the official announcement yeah but you're kind of feeling like you're going to tell the world and the community that perhaps your top tier ski race career might be time for its different phase and time to hang up that kind of level yeah for sure um the reality is my back is not gonna get better especially not ski racing and um like i can't do uh, 
they usually only do two of those microdisectomy surgeries that are like pretty effective and like quick recovery to like get back to a World Cup season. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I'm at like a fusion, which is like over a year and a half surgery. Um, but talking talking to the doctors, it's like a 50-50 chance if I stop like that level of intensity, then I might be okay and be able to avoid infusion. So I'm looking forward to you know skiing a lot of other 70 <laughs> years. I don't want to die for my dreams just yet. Yeah, or and that dream. So how's it feel being at the, a turning point in life? You're obviously still young, 29. Yeah. Something that you've followed and worked hard at your whole life is, I'm sure it's bittersweet a little bit. It's yeah, probably a sure. relief to know, okay, I can breathe deep, I can do something different, and yeah. probably a little tough because you're a competitive guy and always want feeling like you can do better, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I definitely didn't think that the majority of my career like reflected my you know skill and worth ethic and uh so i'm a little bit bummed that you know i didn't get some of the results that i thought were f for sure possible um but i mean it's still like this decision just happened like you know it was kind of in my mind like over the summer like i didn't even think i was going to be able to ski when i first went out because historically that back get like when it goes out really bad like that and i'm just like wiped out on the couch can't do anything then like nothing's helped, but yeah. PT and some bad injections were actually pretty effective this year, which was surprising to me. Just been like two and a half weeks, just like dead. Like okay, we have to do surgery now because I'm about to shoot myself. <laughs> and you know, it turned around and I went to ski camp, and then it actually in the fall. And same thing, I was like, okay, now it's over. Like I'm not yeah. gonna be able to start the season. Came back again and uh, you know got right in there and actually was skiing okay and feeling okay, but uh, you know just a little bit of pain in the past. Like the first time my back went out when I was in my 20s, when I was 20 actually, I raced through the season with that nerve pain and it was just like felt like I was skiing fine. It was slow the entire year. Yeah. Like I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and. Got, got the surgery, and the next year I literally won everything. Like, what changed? It was just like taking away that little bit of pain that was like, you know, in your head, just stopping yeah. you from like fully committing to the turns is the difference between, you know, two seconds out and winning by a second. Yeah, well, that's ski racing, right? That's ski racing. Well, you're a man who's never going to hang up on skiing because you got a passion for yeah. just the recreation and the love of it anyway. So, nice Monday. It's kind of warm out. Yeah. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. You're out here uh, just linking up with some some random friends, not the typical freak gang. What kind of run what kind of run are you feeling here on Ajax? Oh, well, I've been, you know, smashing moguls and uh, skiing powder. Throwing which... out backs, smashing moguls. Throwing out backs, smashing moguls. Way gentler to go hit some moguls than... Uh do like one world cup turn yeah so <laughs> i can see that um so yeah it's been feeling pretty good and like skiing around town it definitely you know hurt a little bit but my hope is that uh i can delay the surgery till spring so i can enjoy you know skiing for the first time that's uh, since high school really you know the last couple of years i've only gotten like a week to like three weeks spread out through the entire year yeah so i'm excited to like just actually see how the mountain skis like so you're going to get some time the rest of this winter to kind of yeah. sort things Ski out, ski out for pleasure? Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna, I already signed up for classes like immediately, so uh, I've been chipping away at my education for the last 10 years. Like, what I, are you studying? 
philosophy at uh, Westminster College. Yeah. So you're self-making a really large income here in Aspen oh, yeah. with that degree? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> Do you enjoy it's, it, though? Yeah, I mean, that's why I take it. And I think it's a useful uh, skill in everyday life. I don't, wouldn't say that it leads to uh, high-end jobs necessarily, but it, it could get you into law school very easily. Good. If you're thinking about, if I'm thinking about that. Well, a nice basis for a well-rounded character, right? Yeah. Favorite uh, favorite philosopher. Your island philosopher. You could only read one, the rest of your time on a, on a forbidden island. Who who would it be? Uh, I don't really know actually. Uh, you know, I like taking like pieces. Yeah. I don't think any of them like nailed it, and I think it'd be ridiculous to think that they did. But like you know, like you know, passage or quote or something like that checks out. I definitely like lean more to like kind of the stoic thinking, but there's things that they like totally blew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, specifically, like Marcus Aurelius, like his diaries. He's definitely one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, um, just like kind of the thought process of like not reacting to things um, and like taking like a split second to pause and uh, choose how you want to react to something before you just get upset for no reason. Actually, yeah. that's I think a pretty useful skill. Yeah, useful for anyone. Yeah. Um, speaking of, we, we talked with Skippy last week. Especially in a turning time. Yeah, I think <laughs> Skippy would agree with your statement there. Well, if you're into it, it's a lovely day. We got some time. We're just out having fun. So yeah. We'll take a lap or another one and Let's do it. maybe talk some talk some old Aspen freak stories. That sounds good to me. All right, Wiley, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on a uh, ski career that surpasses that of many people competing at a level that you know a lot of people could only dream of and putting in the work to get it done the community's been behind you and uh, look forward to what the rest of a long life has to bring for you me too let's get some turns in yes sir free skis like I love them and then I like to ski on my groomer with them I'm like oh they're kind of all right you I know mean, I'm like laying some turns over and then I get back on a race ski I'm like <laughs> everything else is total garbage like unbelievable they just rail so much harder and they, they go just so have much faster so much power you were just like pulling away I was like I just can't I don't know I don't know where, I don't know what else I could do <laughs> What is the structure you have on this atomic ski in the middle? It's something out of the 80s. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. It's uh, that like that stick thing going up the middle. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that structural uh, little... It's just some bullshit marketing scheme by a ski company. Oh, do something. No. No, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, Until recently, they had a double deck, which is what they called it, uh, which was like a full plate that went on basically as high as that and it for sure made the ski 
you know, did, did something. It was like a big carbon fiber plate. And uh, just in the last, like, three years, they've started to move away from it. But I don't think they, like, wanted to, like, completely go away from the look. So, I think it spews jet fuel is yeah. what it seemed yeah. like. Uh, or rocket fuel, at least. as we, yeah. we, very fitting, we follow World Cup racer Wiley Maple down the downhill course on Ruthie's side. Aspen's downhill. America's downhill. America's downhill. <laughs> Minus Aztec. Minus, Minus Aztec. Aztec. And Spring Pitch. But it was, it was fast and fun. There, there were just enough people that you had to throw on the brakes a bit. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Which was tough because I was for sure gonna beat you. I would have my I'm just a little more conservative when there's a couple of jabronis making some real fishy turns. <laughs> but that was that was that was fun. I haven't done that that full particular lap in a while. Do you know the full names of that part of the course? Um, so if we, I mean, it's just Ruthie's is the top. I don't think I'm sure that they have like names for. When the jumps are built up for the downhill proper, there's probably called a couple different things. Um, but then it drops into Aztec pitch, and right out of Aztec as you're coming by the Ruthie's lift, that's spring pitch into Dayo Road, which takes you over to Straw Pile. And uh, yeah, I think it's just called Straw Pile all the way down. Did you ever ski a downhill World Cup right here at home? I never did. Um, I mean, there's only been one in my competitive lifetime that I could have, which was 2017 World Cup Finals. Yeah. And I was recovering from a knee injury, so I was out that whole season. Right. So I was ripping around on one leg. Well, we just skied it. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I had done, I've done. i done a couple of races in U.S. Nationals. I, I, uh, I won U.S. Nationals on that. Oh, really? And uh, the NORAM title, too. Nice. nice. So I've got to race it a bunch, which has been sweet, but, um, yeah, that was... Uh, sure. It would have been nice to actually race the World Cup. I think he could have actually won that. <laughs> yeah, that's your, that's your home turf. Imagine growing up that you always thought you would do the 24 hours of Aspen, probably, right? Yeah, for sure. Sam and I were, like, obsessed with that, for sure. And, uh, I mean, it ended when we were pretty young. Yeah. But we'd still, like, talk about, like, dude, we should just try to figure out how to do that. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous event that I can't believe, I mean, made sense in, like, the 90s. Like, that, I could see them make fire I guess it was that. just wild. Yeah. My buddy Tim from Tuesday Tuesday, we got to get him on the cast. He used to organize it. He said it was just loose. <laughs> sure. I used to sneak up out of bed and, and want to watch it at 2 in the morning. It was just something about it was riveting. Yeah, the I mean, Swiss kids in their, in their Swiss cheese suits. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was our whole introduction to Audi. Yeah. And it was just a cool, it was like the men's men event, you know, the burly, yeah. those dudes, the six foot six Austrian dudes, just beasts. Just crushing 95 miles an hour at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, pretty crazy to think about. Just, I mean, the appeal of just smashing Aspen, like full throttle for 24 hours, like, <laughs> doesn't really get better than that. I mean, doing turns and uh, hitting a couple other runs is what makes Aspen fun, but uh, still, there's something to be said about just going as fast as possible. Yeah, that's true. That's so fun. And you, you live for that a little bit. So you're... Officially, you would be uh, included in the crew, the freaks. Probably a, a founder, correct? You got a patch, something like here that, on the side with Sam. Yeah. Um, what the hell are the freaks? The freaks are a ski gang 
that just formed in the last, I don't know, five years or something. Um, and since then, there's been like an explosion of ski gangs. Obvious, obviously, uh, you know, growing up in Aspen, there's like the dogs and the buckaroos and, you know, there's ski gang culture like back in the 60s and 70s. That's pretty strong. Jackson Hole Air Force, pretty, like there's a movie about them that's epic. And I think that's kind of one of the inspirations. Plus all the, you know, old local crews. So who gets to officially be a member these days? Um, it's pretty open-ended. It's not, nothing's official. Uh, it's a text thread, basically. And if you ski fast enough, like to party and like to ride bikes, basically, and you do all those well enough to, like, kind of keep up, then yeah. you kind of just be like, oh, hey, we're going to add this person to the text. Okay, um, well, so let's... Put a number on that. How big is the text chain now? It's like over 25 people, probably. I think the most recent addition to the Freaks is, was Chase the Millionaire. Oh, yeah? Chase the Millionaire. We uh, had the Millionaire on Podcast One. He was a lot of fun. He actually, I think I told you, he rode the gondola uh, at five years old with his father on the first day they opened it to snowboarders. Whoa. Yep. I'm surprised they... It's a shame still that they did that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Chase being officially added to the group. Um, you guys created a little special place for Mr. Sam Coffee there off of Christie's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Freaks is just like, uh, I guess, a mentality of uh, skiing fast, having fun, and trying to do it with uh, good friends. And uh, beyond that, it's... Uh, you know, it definitely gets publicity, and people ask us, like, what, what is the gang? You know, like, well, you have to kill a yak <laughs> yeah. on the, the solstice, and it has to be at the top of Aspen Mountain. And drink the blood. Drink the blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where does one find a yak? Dude, they're out there. Yeah. They're off the ridge. No, in Aspen, you import one. <laughs> <laughs> it's finest yak of Arctic origin. What is, um... Do you have any, like, Bodie Miller World Cup moments where you're at the top of the gate and you're thinking, oh, my God, the schnapps is still flowing heavy? Uh, this is a bad idea. Not quite that bad, but my first World Cup ever was in Bangen, Switzerland, which is the oldest running downhill. It just happened this weekend, actually. It's also the longest course and the fastest course in the World Cup. Uh, it's, it's like a full 30 seconds longer than any other downhill. Um, but yeah, for some like totally insane reason, at 19 or 20 years old, the ski team thought that would be a good place to start me at like, <laughs> the craziest downhill in the world. Uh, I mean, it's not like the most intense, but it's just like the dumbest for sure. You know, it's so old that there's like these sections that shouldn't be allowed. Shouldn't be allowed. And yeah. wouldn't be allowed in any new course. But um, yeah, there's a start bar right at the top of the start. That's why they call it the start bar, obviously. And it's like right underneath the north face of the Eiger. And uh, the athletes kind of hang out in that start bar. Uh, before they go, just because there's like a lot of downtime in World Cup racing, um, and I learned that pretty early on. Like, you know, I was used to just like skiing kind of all day, warming up, doing my run, and then uh, you know whatever leaving or something. And I remember like making the World Cup. They're like, yeah, you can really realistically only do two warm up runs, and then you're gonna be too tired to finish the course properly. <laughs> I was like, that is bullshit. And, uh, <laughs> 
But anyway, I uh, was in the start bar, and the guy who like still owns it and runs it, I don't know how long he's been doing it, he's called Benny, wears leather pants every day. He's like gnarly, <laughs> gnarly mountaineer, lives up there. Nice. But uh, yeah, I went in there like before my run, and he just came over to me and like forced a sh- schnapps down my throat. <laughs> And I was like, Tupa, I don't know if I want to do that. I have never raced it. He's like, oh, then you must. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a schnapps, my first first World Cup. Uh, well, one was probably just good for the blood. Yeah, I mean, that was the, the year of tradition back in the day when, when skiing was, like, actually cool. When it was... Really, it's like cool in the now, but, like, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it was like a lot rowdier of a sport, you know. Yeah, like the wine on the Tour de France. Like. Yeah, exactly. Like the, <laughs> cigarettes, <laughs> yeah. the steroids on the Tour de France. Before the steroids, so it was cigarettes and alcohol. Cigarettes and Le Genepi. Yeah. That's nice. Um, I guess that'd be the most, uh, like, before run, there's definitely some totally insane parties. <laughs> You know, yeah. After the race, what what is your best Bodie Miller story? I don't really have that many. I, I just I was, you got to go back to ski racing. <laughs> What's was, the wild days? I was pretty young. Uh, I mean, was only on tour with Bodie like maybe a couple years, uh, in between all my injuries and his injuries and all that shit. Um, I mean, he was definitely quite a bit older than me. Uh, I just figure every. Every racing legend has like some Bodie Miller story where he just shows up like uh, the ghost of Christmas and just yeah he it, does that's that. I mean that's a romantic I going idea. like to the bars with him and and uh, he just would talk the whole time <laughs> and like not a bad way but it was uh, it'd be pretty funny like go maybe hit the dance floor or something and, like come back over the bar and he'd be like standing at the bar still waiting for you and he just like right where he left off after he'd been talking to like some other group of people he'd be like oh yeah so as I was saying <laughs> you're like damn okay uh, but uh, I think like I actually wasn't there for this but when he was making a comeback like I don't know in the last four years he got full tilt boots which <laughs> which you're probably wearing no some, no some no I would never wear full tilt but it's, I got just as soft <laughs> it's exactly the same thing that you're wearing basically he got those but that's and, like the old Rakeley almost yeah, but nobody, I mean, they raced in that in like the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> and now we, have, now we get way faster and our turns are way bigger than they used to be. But he showed up to Portillo with those boots on and a one of those visor helmets that you see. <laughs> Bodie Miller full tilt and visor helmet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, trained like full length downhill with the rest of the World Cup team after being hurt for a year or two and showing up with like totally implausible gear uh, and he was like eating shit every run that's what, <laughs> what I got from, from the boys that came back you couldn't see out of the Darth Vader visor couldn't see out of the Darth Vader visor tried to get you know forward pressure in the full tilts and like folded them in half he just like broke them super G turn or, yeah and, uh, yeah, that's the, that is pretty crazy. I wasn't actually there for this, but to see that in action, apparently he made some, like, unbelievable saves, but he was just getting in terrible situations because of the gear he was using. <laughs> well, we're at the top of the mountain that uh, raised you and helped make you part of, the, part of the man you are. Wrapping up a full moon a little bit on the career, finishing up some school. Yeah. Any people you'd like to like to thank 
helping you along the way? Ooh, countless numbers, but uh, my parents obviously are kind of top of the list. They just went through, you know, most of the bullshit firsthand and uh, supported me all the way through that. And then, you know, for the most part, the entire town uh, has funded you know, most of my last 10 years. It's been a pretty cool, a local event. Yeah. People came to Red Onion, donated yeah. 15 bucks, helped get you to the World Cups. Yeah, and, uh, and then all my equipment sponsors, year in, year out, give me what I need to be competitive. And What do you what do you see yourself doing in 10 years? Uh, I couldn't say. Hopefully skiing still, a bunch. But uh, yeah, in the next year I plan to hopefully delay any surgery for another like I said, another couple months so I can enjoy skiing. Planning to go to Japan. Actually, just bought the ticket this morning yeah. with Baker Boyd. Yeah, he went this morning, right? Yeah, he went this morning. So he's he's out there for a week and a half, and then I join him. Uh, just kind of, I'd like to like you know keep some of my contacts and be in the ski industry a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. At least be able to go do trips like that every couple of years, or at least two a year or something, while maybe maintaining a more stable job. Yeah. I definitely like to slow down on the travel bit and like, you know, be Smart somewhere. Home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, enjoy some home. Yeah. You think are you are you in Aspen for the long run? Yeah, uh, I mean, if I can find a place to live for sure. <laughs> my parents' basement is pretty nice, but I don't know how much longer they'll allow that. Wiley Maple's <laughs> looking for a place to live. If you got a good situation and you want someone to try and keep up with on Sundays, holler at the guy. Wiley, it's been a pleasure. We'll try and keep up with you one more. Yeah, thank you. Best of luck.